Welcome to Sports Beat KC, the Kansas City Stars daily sports podcast. It's Monday, October 24th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. The Chiefs spotted the San Francisco 49ers 10 points on Sunday and then ran away for a 44-23 victory. It was impressive stuff on both sides of the ball. Wide receiver McCole Hardman had the first multi-touchdown game of his career, and he finished with three scores. Frank Clark recorded a sack, just excellent play all around. The Chiefs now have their open week, and it comes at a good time. If you count the three preseason games, NFL teams play 20 scheduled games, and the Chiefs have played 10. On today's show, columnist Vahe Gregorian and beat writer Herbie Teope break down Sunday's game and take a peek on at, at what's on the other side of the bye. This show started as a Sports Beat Live. Let's get started. Hey, good evening. Welcome to Sports Beat Live. This is our Chiefs postgame show, and there is so much to discuss uh, from the Chiefs. 44-23 victory over the San Francisco 49ers. And um, so you know how this goes. We're going to talk Chiefs with uh, with Vahe Gregorian and Herbie Teope, and we're going to talk Chiefs with you. So please send us your questions and comments, and we'll talk with you about what we saw tonight. Looks like Vahe is coming to us from the dark side of the office, and but it's, but it's good to see you, Vahe. Just the dark side in general, Blair. You can hear me okay? Right. You sound good. Herbie, how are you doing tonight? Hey, I'm doing well. Vahe's on the dark side of the moon. How about that one? (laughs) Yes, he is. So, guys, um, as I always do when there is a Chiefs game, I scribble down, uh, whether I'm at Arrowhead or on the road or in the office or wherever, whenever the Chiefs are playing, I scribble down a list of things that uh, we should talk about um, in the post game. And today I've got things like – uh, the 49ers came in with a ranked first in total defense and Chief shredded it. Uh, McCole Hardman's terrific day, probably the best day of his career and things like that. What I didn't have on my sheet, and I guess I needed to be more aware of this, is uh, Call of Duty. I did not have that on my sheet, and apparently that played a big factor in tonight's game. Um, Call of Duty, we know that from listening to the post-game press conference with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, and most importantly, Juju Smith-Schuster, who was the one who brought it up and said that he and Marquez Valdez-Scantling and Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes were uh, all on Friday night, right? Uh, But I guess before they took off for San Francisco on Saturday, were playing a game of Call of Duty and bonded over it and became, uh, you know, it was a good, uh, a good exercise for the team, at least for those four. And listen, after today, who's to argue? Who's to suggest that it's not? Um, I got to think that uh, uh, if, if this is the way it's going to go f- uh, for the Chiefs, they need to set up their own Call of Duty team and um, and, and go forward with it. But Vahe, let's start with you. Uh, quite the quite the offensive show. Well, quite the offensive show, and and really. Uh... Uh, Juju didn't limit it to the game because he was it was pretty uh, much the offensive show during his interview. Um, I, uh, I I believe I, it's accurate to say we each had the equal amount of smoke coming out of our ears trying to understand what exactly is entailed in Call of Duty. And uh, the key term that uh, I heard in his interview from Santa Clara was uh, related to Rebirth Island, which I thought um, you could have a little fun with if you were you were 
working on that and how the uh, offense had a little rebirth today. I mean, they've not been any slouch, right? The offense has been number one in the NFL coming into this game. But you guys tell me if you agree with this. There have been enough clunky moments, right? You've had a, a couple losses, a couple times when you needed that extra gear. And I think we've all sort of seen that the meshing between Patrick and MVS and Juju has been a little bit, you know, slow to come, right? It wasn't literally instant offense. Juju had a breakthrough last week. And I think, you know, it was only three catches for MBS today, but there were a couple of things that uh, I think reflected a little chemistry between them. I believe uh, our Sam McDowell is going to be uh, uh, delving into that more, but I, I, I think it's safe to say that that, that was um, a, a new gear for the chiefs and the more versatility we've sort of figured they need to have uh, after Tyreek Hill. Yeah, look, 423 yards passing from Patrick Mahomes. He spread it around so well, right, distributed it to, uh, off the top of my head here, 124 yards to Smith-Schuster, 111 to MVS, 98 to Travis Kelsey. They tried to get him 100, a little screen pass at the end, the last uh, offensive play for the Chiefs, but Kelsey dropped it. But uh, anyway, Herbie, what, uh, I just saw a ton of production from this offense, and, uh, and especially in the passing game. You know, and what Mahomes said after the press conference, excuse me, after the game, he told reporters that this is what the Chiefs offense will be. And we've heard this as training camp, and we saw it at training camp, how much they're going to spread the ball around. And here we are, you know, going into week eight by, and that's been the case. Look, he, he targeted and connected with eight different receivers today. You know, and to Vahe's point, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, three catches for 111 yards, that's a whopping 37 yards per catch. Math. See, I know how to do math real quick. But 37 yards per catch, and that's what that's what they want him for. You know, he, he averaged 20 yards a catch in Green Bay, and when they signed him, they needed a deep threat. Granted, it took this long uh, into week seven where we finally started seeing a deep threat to replace Tyreek Hill, and they got it against a pretty darn good defense in the San Francisco 49ers. Tell you what, Andrew makes a terrific point here, and I noticed this as well. The back shoulder throws today, they're – probably three or four of those types of completions that you don't always see right with this offense, because, you know, before this year, this, you know, the, the passing game was largely about getting the ball to Tyree kill Travis Kelsey, McCall Hardman, and you don't have back shoulder throws to those guys, but with, with, uh, with physical receivers like uh, Smith Schuster and MVS, you can do that. You, you can have the back shoulder throw. And I, I like how they picked on the, uh, the new cornerback who came in the second half, I forgot who got injured, but a uh, guy who was playing, you know, he did eight, eight NFL snaps or something like that this year. And they back shouldered him right away. And, uh, and, and I just thought that was a part of uh, the passing game and the offensive plan today. Oops. Hey, muted Vahe. You know, been a couple of years on this now. Don't know how I'll ever adjust. Um, but but you, you're you're absolutely right. And uh, I, you know, one of the things you reminded me of this when you were talking about MVS. You know, one of the things Andy Reid kept saying: we still have guys that can take the lid off the offense, uh, take the lid off the defense, rather, um, in the wake of Tyree Kill. And but we haven't seen a lot of that, have we? I mean, you're, we're talking about back shoulder stuff, but I just mean guys breaking open deep and taking the deep shot and. Um, as it happened, that was third and 11, right? And one of the six of seven third downs they converted, the last two of which were third and 11 and third and 20. Um, pretty, 
pretty amazing. And, and again, McKinnon was on the screen was at third and 20. You got MVS mm -hmm. there. You got Juju with the 45-yard touchdown. Um, I, I, and Kelsey, I, I don't remember how many of the catches he had in the second half, but it seemed to me he had the bulk of them in the first half. But if, you, I mean, if you're starting the game with that as your, your array of, of targets and intermittent lengths, different, different parts of the field, um, boy, I think that's hard to defend. I called the, uh, th that screen, that 20, uh, the third and 20 play that McKinnon turned into a 34 yard gain, the chef's kiss play of the game. That, that was exquisite. The play call, the execution, the blocking, that was just, that was fantastic. That, that was my favorite offensive snap of the game for the chiefs. I know, uh, we'll, we'll get to McCall Hardman and, and I know they went over the top. That was great to see because we haven't seen a ton of that. Uh, uh, by the Chiefs, especially against the man, but uh, they went over the top several times with success. Um, I'm, I'm sure we're not too far away from seeing, you know, one of those over the top throws end up as a 75 or 70 yard touchdown uh, play. We haven't seen that yet. But uh, Herbie, what were your kind of your other sort of big moments offensively for the Chiefs? And we can we can absolutely get into McCole Hardman's game as well. With the exception of Jody Forson's catch. <laughs> the, the big moments to me. Oh, oh can, uh, can we? While we're uh, well on Jody Fortune, I believe not only his catch, but he also had a, a holding call on a kickoff return that that cost the Chiefs. <laughs> they had to go ninety yards for the touchdown instead of uh, seventy-five. But anyway, but he also had a on. nice key block on one of McCole Hardman's rushing touchdowns. So hey, no, but I, I got to go with what what Vahe was pointing out earlier: the ability to go deep. And, and to me, what's more impressive about the Chiefs performance today was they faced uh, over the last month defenses that were ranked, you know, the Bills, the, the Buccaneers, and now the 49ers. It didn't work out well against the Bills, but against the Buccaneers and against the 49ers, my goodness, they just shredded, you know, league top defenses. Now you just need to do that consistently every week, but I, I like the fact that they were able to go deep. You know, Marquez Valdez-Scantley, he's the guy that they, they brought aboard to put pressure on the defense. And I like the way they finally showcased that tonight or excuse me, today. Yeah. Hey, Brian brings up, you know, uh, Isaiah Pacheco's kickoff return to open the second half after that crazy end of the first half where, um, you know, we got to mention it. Sky Moore muffs the, the chiefs do a great job forcing the, you know, the illegal procedure penalty on the 49ers. So they, they, they move them out of field goal range. The 49ers punt. And Sky Moore, for the second time this year, muffs a punt. We need to talk about that, too. But anyway, um, the Chiefs go down into field goal range, and, uh, and Harrison Butker misses uh, the field goal. It's 14-13 to 13 at halftime, but Chiefs get the ball to open the second half. Pacheco, 48-yard return. You tackle on 15 yards for the, um, the push out of bounds. Stupid play by the 49ers special teams guy. And Chiefs are off and running. That's uh, another another touchdown to to open the second half, and and there they go. So, um, hey, let's while we're still talking about the offense, let's get into McCole um, Hardman's day. I thought um, I thought Patrick Mahomes said it well in the post game that McCole Hardman seems to be built for the jet sweep type play because he's willing to turn it upfield, right? To plant the foot and turn and go instead of just trying to, you know get to the sideline, maybe tiptoe up the sideline and go out of bounds. And McCall Hardman never did it any better than he, than he did today, has he, Herbie? Yeah, correct. And what's even more impressive about that is he's still dealing with a heel injury. 
Yeah, I don't know if he's ever going to be 100% healthy because, you know, he is playing, but hopefully the bye week here gives him a, that extra time to recover. But three touchdowns. Wow. I, I mean, if, if you saw this coming, <laughs> I need you to pick my lottery numbers because that was a that was a very impressive game for McCall Hartman. Touchdown reception, two jet sweep runs, one to the right, the other to the left. And, hey, if not for McCall Hartman energizing the offense, you know, that, that, where are the Chiefs? Yeah, and Vahe, you and I, we were talking about um, just, you know, he's he is, um, uh, you know, he's not a he's not a great. I wouldn't think. I don't play fantasy football. I don't know if he's a good fantasy start because he, he's he's you know in three three years plus three years and seven games worth of seasons, he's not a touchdown maker. No, I mean that's in in some ways I, I I was surprised to look at those numbers today and see they were as low as they were. I I, I thought you know and, and the the numbers we looked at at a glance were of course the regular season numbers. I can't remember what his postseason numbers were, but you know the most touchdowns he's had in the season regular season was six his rookie year. Then he had four his second year, two and two the last two seasons entering today. So I mean he had more touchdowns today than he had all this season and all last season. And he had some limited time last year, I guess, with injuries, I think. I, 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 I know he had, he, had, he had fewer starts, obviously. It was a different lineup then, too. But I, I don't know in, in, in the Chiefs thinking about the ability to trade Tyree Kill and make this work um, after Tyree Kill, what place McCole Hardman really occupied specifically in that I mean, of course, they, they had to get Juju and MBS to, to kind of get it cranked up. But I'm sure that they thought of him as some sort of pillar of, of what they'd need to do. And that, you know, there were some glimpses last season in the playoffs where he had some big moments. And um, I don't think he's been that yet, right? And I, so there's a, a couple of things going on here where the Chiefs, it behooves them to find the right situations to put him in. Um and I think part of that is I'm not I'm still not sure he's always in the right place in past past patterns that he's supposed to be. Not sure. I'm not sure I'm right or wrong on that. I'm just not sure he is. So, but the more ways they can find to get him engaged, and you know, he's become really so adept at that jet sweep. I mean, the ability to turn that upfield is, is the difference between just, you know, literally running out the string and and making that into something. And there was there was some real explosion there today, so they they got to get him more in the flow. I think he needs to be a guy for them, um, mostly because I think they need to have five, six, seven guys be the guy for them. Cody said he saw it coming today because he started him on his fantasy team. Well, that is a uh, I imagine Cody, you're going to win the week with with that start. Um, One quick thing, Blair. Can I just throw this in too? And yeah, it, please. It, it was it was pointed out by the announcers, but I think it was the first touchdown. Um, the, the scheme seemed to call for, it was a very, he was in motion, uh, on the, on the handoff and it was with maybe one second left on the play clock. And it, it appeared the, they said it on Fox, but it looks like it appeared to the naked eye too, that they expected him to be by Bosa so fast on that, that they didn't even bother to block Bosa and that the two linemen turned up field right away. I just it's just a little thing, right? But it it the nuance of of how those things get done, it it's you know, there's so much going on, it's often hard to just take a sneak a little peek at that. But that's that's pretty cool when you can see that isolated, that kind of scene work that way. 
Well, in the position of Noah Gray's stance, where he le- where he put his left leg, that was uh, I think it was Olson who pointed that out on the broadcast. Really interesting stuff because that indicated to you know to Bosa which way to go on his rush. And by the time he had started, uh, McCall Hardman was passed. He was he was already he was already by him. So and then and then Gray threw a nice block on the on the one that went to the right, the twenty five yarder. Um, so uh, yeah, it was. Uh, Great game planning to get uh, McCall Hardman this involved in the game. I think I counted um, five or six, uh, maybe it was six touches in the game today, three of which went for a touchdown, and, not touches, but uh, receptions or, or, uh, or rushes, and three of them went for touchdowns, and one of them was that, that pass where he took a big hit but held on to it. So really nice day, maybe the best day for McCall Hardman, certainly in terms of getting in the end zone, the absolute best day of his career. That was very a cool. Little, a little bit like that Kelsey game, Blair, where Kelsey had you know four touchdown passes and <laughs> like 27 yards. I mean, McColl had, <laughs> it was 32 yards in receptions and an additional 28 in, in, in rushing yards and two of the touchdowns were that way. But it, it, it is, you wouldn't look at the, the column of those numbers and say, boy, great day for him. But, you know, getting in the end zone is its own thing. Uh, Roy asks uh, what we thought of the offensive line today. Uh, it got a lot of praise on, on the broadcast. I, I don't know, Herbie. What do you think? Um, I, I, obviously, when you score, when you score and, and roll up the yards that the Chiefs did, uh, things were, were clicking. But we, we always, we we're always kind of have a critical eye at the offensive line, and especially Andrew Wiley. But uh, uh, I, I guess overall, you got to you got to tip your cap to them and, and say they, you know, the, I know. Look. Yeah, the players always, right? Mahomes, offensive players, when they come to the podium after the game, they're always going to sing the praises of the O-line. I don't remember what Andy Reid said about it today, though. He's he's usually honest when it comes to an assessment of the offensive line. Well, I think, if anything, when you look at the offensive line, I, you know, I think we'll all agree their most dominant performance of the year came against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in week four. Uh, you know, 189 yards rushing. They manhandled the Buccaneers and were able to push them around, control the time of possession, and then, you know, Granted, the 49ers won the time of possession today, but the 40, the Chiefs, because they scored so fast, you know, I don't think we're going to have to worry about them too much about commanding the time of possession. Over the last two weeks, they've been banged up. You know, Trey Smith didn't play uh, in the week five, I believe that was. Nick Allegretti had to start. Joe Tooney was banged up uh, with the ankle injury, and he entered this weekend as questionable, but, you know, they were healthy. I think uh, they, they were well aware of some of the criticism over the last two weeks about getting Mahomes hit, and, you know, Mahomes was sacked. Today against that stout 49ers uh, uh, defense, he only got sacked once. And that came late in the game when Joey Bosa beat Andrew Wiley. You know, Wiley got called for a holding penalty today. But overall, I thought the offensive line pulled together. And, and as Eric Biemi will say, I will say this, they rose to the challenge. You know, they, they knew that challenge was there and they accepted it and they did a good job. And that, that penalty on Wiley, if I'm thinking of the same play, was when Bosa was offside uh, and sort of necessitated him uh, having a different sort of response to that. Uh, it it might have been a different play. There, that was an offsetting penalty, and it might have been a hold later. But, um, yeah, look, I, I, you guys tell me if I'm wrong, but I, I thought not only did Patrick just get sacked once, but I, did, I didn't feel like Patrick was um, having, to, having to prance and dance too much either. I mean, there, there, were, there were times, but I felt like he was, he was pretty clean and – um, you know, it's interesting with the, the running game. I, I think everybody wants to see more from, from, uh, Clyde and, and Pacheco, their numbers were, 
okay, but they had a couple of little bursts, right? They had a, each of them had a 15 or a 16 yarder and, and you get yeah. that going with, with Hardman. I, you know, running game didn't hurt them today. I, I also don't think they overly relied on it. I think they, they ran at opportune times. I think sometimes we've had real legitimate questions about why they run when they run. It seems to break up the flow. I didn't, it didn't feel like that today. Hey, this is Blair. There are several ways to access the Star Sports section. Let me tell you about a couple of them. There is Sports Pass. For $12.99 a month, you get unlimited digital access to all of the Star Sports content, including beat writing, columns, features, pretty much everything we write. The deal renews monthly until you tell us to cancel. For $159.99 a year, you get everything the Star has to offer digitally, including sports and the e-edition. Go to KansasCity.com and drop down to the bottom of the page where it says start a subscription for more information. Your support has never been more important. As always, thanks for reading and listening. As a reminder, you're watching Sportsbeat Live. We're here talking about the Chiefs 49ers with Herbie Teope and Vahe Gregorian. Continue your thought, Herbie. Well, to Vahe's point, also to add to that, you know, when we when we talk about the offensive line, I don't think the big plays down the field happen if Mahomes doesn't have time in that pocket to find uh, MVS streaking down the down the field for 57 yards. You know, finding Juju Smith-Schuster flat in the middle of the field. You know, he, I, I agree. He wasn't running for his life as often as we saw against the Bills or even against the Raiders two weeks ago. So the offensive line, they, they played pretty well today. Herbie, what, what did you make of Isaiah Pacheco starting today? Was there some kind of message there for the Chiefs running back room? Or I thought that was interesting. Clyde Edwards-Alaire had started every game this year. And I don't know what the snap breakdown is, but I'm sure he had the most and probably still does have the most. And, and he, you know, and he played plenty today. But what did it mean that Pacheco started today? Hey, shake it up. You know, he, Eric Biami always talks about competition. You know, even though they're not going to throw any of their players under the bus, I, I like to think that by, by starting – a seventh round draft pick over your former first round draft pick. That, that's got to send a message. I, I heard the message over here. You know, if you, if you want to beat out the seventh round pick, something's got to give here and you got to step up. So Pacheco did start. He, he led the team in rushing. But if I, if I were to guess, when I look at the snap counts tomorrow, I would not be surprised at all to see Jarek McKinnon once again, leading that pack, which he's done six of the past seven games. You know, McKinnon is in there as a third round guy or excuse me, or, their third down guy and the guy who's always going to help out in the passing game. But, you know, and I find it kind of curious that it did happen because when you look at Clyde Edwards or Larry, you know, he has been scoring touchdowns, but it's, I think it's the production on the ground that they're just not getting. And he got one today. Um, great. You know, we talked about the offensive line. They blocked that touchdown run so well, 16 yards, and he was only touched basically when he got to about the three yard line, uh, Edwards or did. So, um, all right, we spent a lot of time on this offense, and, and for good reason, before we switch. But I want to ask you guys, do you know off the top of your head the three most productive games by the Chiefs this year in terms of just points scored? And Willie wants to weigh in on that, I hear. Um, <laughs> uh, but do you know, t- today's one of them, right? Um, so today, would the three times they've scored more than 40 points have been against whom? Arizona, Tampa, and San Francisco, right? So – all uh, I, on the road, all against NFC teams. Does, is there something about, you know, the fact that the Chiefs perform really well against teams that don't see the Chiefs on a regular basis? You know, I, it gets, the, today's game got me wondering about that, that 
you know, um, they've lost to the Bills. They played they played the Bills five times in three years. The Bills, you know, AFC, you know, the close games against the Chargers and the Raiders this year. We watched what happened today with the, with the Chargers and what we've seen all year with the Raiders. They're not they're not in the Chiefs class, I don't think, not this year. And yet those games are dogfights. But they played the NFC teams. It's like you know they, they don't know how to stop them. Is there any? Well, could there be something to that? I, I tell you what. It, it, look, it's 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 interesting because now you're saying that I'm just looking at these numbers. But so basically, in those three games that we just you, to which you just alluded, they're averaging 42.7 points or something. In the other games, they're averaging basically 25. Um, I'm just do a quick math there. 44. 74, 94 divided by four. So what's that? 26, 80, I don't know. 20, low 20s, basically, their average in those other games. So almost double, almost double. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. They've, they've got two more games against NFC opponents. Both are at Arrowhead, right? The Rams and the Seahawks. So I, it's, just, it's just interesting to me. Um, and as uh, Andrew points out, it's 14 straight victories against NFC teams, something like that. There's a, they do have a nice long winning streak against so NFC teams. Add team. that in. And, and you said this, Blair, in as many words, if not these words, but I mean, so, you know, they played Buffalo twice last season. They played the, the two AFC West teams twice last season. And um, these other teams, I, I don't have the exact years in front of me, but it's been a while. Um, and I, it's a very interesting thing and, and uh, worth, uh, worth inquiring minds uh, trying to research a little more. Yeah, it means I got no chance of figuring it out. Uh, so <laughs> we might be um, inquiring. I don't know about uh, concluding right. the answer. Concluding, right? We got no shot at concluding. <laughs> uh, but uh, but the Colts are the fly in the ointment on this, right? Because the Chiefs hadn't played the Colts in a couple of years, and uh, and so uh, yeah, I hope Herbie will be back with us here soon. He just there he is. Um, okay, look, we, we haven't given enough time uh, to to talk about the defense, and I thought it had a pretty. Pretty solid game today, and you got to start with the highlight play, and that's Frank Clark's sack, uh, sack in the end zone of Jimmy Garoppolo for a safety. I don't remember the last time the Chiefs had a safety. I'm sure that'll be in the Chiefs' notes when we get them. But that's, um, you know, that, w- w- how about overall impressions of the defense, Herbie? They came. They brought their lunch pails today. You know, when you get five sacks and I believe eight quarterback hits. Uh, Chris Jones with two of the sacks, Frank Clark with one and a half, Willie Gay making his return, split a sack with uh, Legereus Sneed. They brought their lunch pails today, and they, they were physical. You know, San Francisco has that that, uh, that that perception of being a bully, and the Chiefs were the bully today because of that defense. Chaz said it was uh, Chris Jones had the last uh, safety, and uh, he thinks against uh, the Dolphins in 2020. I, I'll have to look that up, but thanks, Chaz, for – for that reference, uh, two interceptions, right? Juan Thornhill got one, and then may- maybe a, a, a game-changing type of play when um, uh, Joshua Williams stepped in front of that uh, pass at the end zone. Good, good rush that affected the Garoppolo throw. I think Karloftis was part of that. I can't remember who else was part of that pass rush, but uh, but anyway, uh, that, that it took a little. He he had to alter his throw and, and Williams got on top of it. I think he sensed a hundred yard return, like his, his rookie teammate as he brought it out of the end zone. Uh, but anyway, not, a really nice play today. And just a, again, a solid over. You know, I was a little concerned early on when the, when the 49ers were moving the ball into scoring position with each possession. Um, and uh, what they get, they go, they go field goal, touchdown, field goal. 
and maybe another field goal. Uh, and that, that was, you know, that was your halftime, 13 points. But, um, uh, but overall, the second half, especially really solid for the Chiefs. And Willie Gay gets back into, into action today, gets a sack. And um, uh, Herbie, why don't you take us through who, who all didn't play and who all is supposed to play when the Chiefs come back from their bye? Or we the should see when they come back. Yeah, the good news is from this game, because the Chiefs have been beat up, but Amy Reid told reporters after the game, no injuries. But he did mention specifically they will get what well, he expects to get Rashad Fenton, who's been out with a hamstring injury. Uh, Mike Dana, who's been dealing with that calf injury, lingering calf injury. But the big one there is that he hopes to get their first-round draft pick, one of the two first-round draft picks. Cornerback Trent McDuffie should be ready by – after the buy and, and the chiefs won't have a choice because that 21 day window will close when they come back off of the buy. So it's either you activate them to the active roster or you, you place them on season ending into reserve. Okay. Brian is our second source for confirmation on the Chris Jones uh, uh, sack for the safety a couple of years ago against, we always like to get that second source for the for confirmation. <laughs> That's right. Um, hey, okay. Uh, Go ahead. Bye. Uh, all, all I'd add Blair is like, uh, one thing that we've talked about a little bit, and, and, and maybe I'm drinking too much uh, Steve Spagnola Kool-Aid here, but I, you know, he made a point last week in his news conference about, um, about the, the young corners, the rookie corners. They're, they're not, you know, they've been beaten a few times, but they're not being outclassed. I mean, they're, they're, they've been in great position a number of times. And at some point when you're in great position, you, you know, you start converting the play a little bit more. And I, I'd be a lot more worried about them or would have been a lot more worried about them if, if you know, they were fighting on fakes, uh, they, they weren't able to keep up, but that, that's not what we've seen. So I, I think on balance, the Chiefs have to feel pretty good about the development these guys have been able to get um, at this stage uh, with, with some big moments that they've had. You know, uh, you referred to the, the other interception too, Blair. I mean, so this is – probably a net plus for them in the long run, right? We, we, we assume McDuffie will stay healthy after this, but you never know. And um, I think the complexion of that defense changes a little bit the way it did today with Willie, Willie Gay back out there. And, um, and I, look, I mean, to be able to swarm and get five sacks like that, I don't remember the last time they had a five sack game, uh, you know, sure seemed like they could have, could have, uh, could have had one against the Bengals in the in the postseason in between the games where the Bengals were giving up like twelve to other teams. <laughs> yeah, you know, and that that that's a bummer. But I just thought you know there was a energy and a a, a sense of purpose with how they played today that um, on both sides of the ball, but really over on defense as well. Okay, so Herbie, what's going to happen over the next uh, week? Everybody getting out of town or? Um... Yeah, Andy Reid typically lets his players go, and he kind of mentioned it in his post-game press conference. He hopes they all stay healthy, you know, and kind of like the hint, don't get in trouble with the law. Because, <laughs> you, you know, save the rest season for the off season, not during <laughs> season, but, you know, let's, let's, stay, let's stay healthy, come back next week uh, for week eight, and then prepare for that Sunday night football game against the Tennessee Titans. One guy that I hope uses the week to really look at and evaluate uh, or watch tape of himself is Sky Moore. I know you had mentioned him earlier, but my goodness, man, sooner or later, if, if he doesn't fix that, you know, what you don't want is a muff punt uh, that end up costing the Chiefs a game. But 
Reed's, you know, he stood by him after the game. So, you know, he'll learn from his mistakes. You know, first time he muffed a punt was against the Colts in week three. Uh, that game, the Colts did score a touchdown. This time it didn't come back to hurt the Chiefs, but sooner or later, it's, you know, it might cost him a game. Yeah, that was, that was tough to see. Just kind of misjudged it, right? It was out in front of him and could have been a disaster, but that's, you know, right afterwards, that's when uh, Josh Williams got the interception too to offset it. So, um, Todd said he hit a nice parlay. Thanks to the Chiefs today. I think that's a great note to go out on. You get a parlay, man. Congrats. That's beautiful. All right. For Vahe Gregorian and Herbie Teope. Hey, thanks for everybody for, for tuning in tonight. Great conversation. And we'll do it again after the Titans game on Sunday night football in two weeks. Good night, everybody. That will do it for today. Thanks to our Sportsbeat KC production staff of Money Davis, George Howard, Randy Mason, and Jeff Rosen. Tip of the cap to Vahe Gregorian and Herbie Teope for sharing their insights. Today's morning sports edition was 60 pages full of chief stories, coverage of the KC Current reaching the NWSL finale, the victories by the Phillies and Astros that puts them in the World Series, NFL, auto racing, just great stuff throughout the sports spectrum. Go to liveedition.kansascity.com for more information. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back soon with another Sports Beat KC.